Welcome to the Control Alt Azure podcast. I'm Yusip. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Control Alt Azure. I am here again with Yusi Roine. What's up? Hey, Toby. Good to be back. Uh, all good here on my side. I, I think top of mind for me, what I've been up to lately, is that I've been building my Lego. Uh, and about a year ago, when I was about to turn 42 years old, I, I decided I need to buy something nice for myself. And, and I bought the, uh, the Lego Bugatti Zeron. The, the big one with about 3,599 pieces. So it's taken about 11 months and, and I'm halfway through now. So I've, I've spent a couple of more evenings on, on actually building it. And, and at this rate, I anticipate to get it done by the time I turn 44 next year. So, so it's always good to have some, some long-term projects. So the Lego thing, that's top of mind for me, really. How about for you? For me, I'm not really a, a Lego person. I understand that it's a huge hit uh, for a lot of people. I just don't see the, the appeal uh, because the only thing I, I have a feeling for with Lego is actually putting my feet on them because they're all over the floor. Um, so for me, I actually came back just now from a two-week vacation in, in Thailand, which has been pretty ill-timed with what's going on in the world at the moment. Uh, yeah, so I can the, imagine. Yeah, the timing could have been better. Just coming back, uh, just before we went on the airplane, we got a message saying, by the way, the Danish border is now closed, and this is where you're going to land. Good luck. So you're, Dan <laughs> so you're Danish now. <laughs> exactly. It's like, yeah, I'm going to have to remain there. No, so it was okay to, to get home. But, you know, all of this really broke loose when we were, you know, just just after we landed in Thailand. We just heard the news about what's going on and, it was too late to cancel the trip at that time. So uh, we're happy to be home. Uh, we had a good vacation. There was not a lot of things related to that crisis going on in where we were, at least. Um, other than that, I have actually been putting the new Azure SDKs through the, the rings of fire, and they seem to hold up very nice. I wrote a blog post about that in the past also, so I will put this in the show notes. And there's a new... SDK from Microsoft where they're kind of unifying how, how they build the APIs or the SDKs. And it's holding up pretty nice. Um, so I'd urge you to check that out. But I'll put the link in the show notes, so check that out. Excellent. I need to take a, take a look, at, look at those as well because often I don't follow up on the individual versions of the SDKs. I just pick whatever is the latest one when I start building something. Yeah, and that also that also works. So this is not really a new... A version of the existing APIs. It's brand new set of APIs. So you can still use the APIs and the SDKs you had before, but if you start something new, you can then opt in to actually use these ones instead. Okay. So now let's, let's head on to the actual topic of this episode, and that's getting started with Azure Arc. And, and oftentimes I hear people calling these the modern group policies, uh, referring uh, to about 20 years ago when we got group policy objects with, with Active Directory and Windows 2000 server. And, and I've been playing around a bit with Azure Arc lately. I, I did a couple of uh, presentations on this. And as part of those presentations, I needed to build a couple of demos to really understand 
what the service is about and how does it really work. So, so perhaps we start with, with some of the basics before we actually get to Azure Arc. And, and that's, the, that's the management aspect. So sometimes you have the multi-cloud, sometimes you have a hybrid need for management. And, and for those who have these different sort of technologies in the Microsoft world, and one of those is group policies. Have you re any, recently, have you played with group policies anymore? Are they relevant for your life? They are not relevant at all for, for things I do. We don't really live in the, in the old world of Active Directory as such. So we, I, I touch upon it every now and then. But for what I do, no. I, I don't spend a lot of time with it. Um, so I, I cannot say that I do. Okay, so they are still obviously relevant for many organizations because you use those for defining policies that you then target with workstations and servers typically. And a group policy object might have five settings or 200 different settings that then are applied for those, de those devices. And when we go to Azure AD, which I think your organization, Toby, is also using quite heavily, then you need to look at more modern aspects. And that would be Azure AD together with Intune. But now I think last year, 2019, Microsoft changed the naming and branding a bit. So it's Microsoft Endpoint Manager. And that combines Intune and the System Center Configuration Manager, the SCCM. Right. And this, this too, I see Intune quite a bit being used, of course, because it provides you with a lot of capabilities for managing mobile devices like phones and tablets and, and laptops and what have you. Yeah. And, and once you go with Intune, if that gives you enough control and governance and management aspects for your devices and users, then you might be able to drop out from group policies as well. And moving from there, you still have the... I wouldn't perhaps call them legacy, but, but the classic traditional aspects like logon scripts. When, when a user logs in, we want to execute this bunch of scripts, perhaps set a printer or map a network drive or some, some such. Then you have the remote PowerShell and PowerShell itself, and then WMI, the Windows Management Instrumentation. I don't know how I recall that exact naming, perhaps because I spent too many. <laughs> I, I even right. forgot the acronym. You know, that's so far <laughs> behind in my in my mind right now. I, I think it's because you ended up back in the day. You ended up spending so many evenings figuring out the namespaces and the queries on how do I get all the workstations in my land to to do something. So logon scripts, WMI, remote PowerShell, together with the more modern aspects. Those those are kind of the cornerstones for managing in multiple cloud platforms in hybrid where you have on-premises as well as the cloud. Um, and if we now step one step closer to what Azure Arc is, we need to understand a bit more about Azure governance. And I'm, I'm trying to recall, I should have maybe looked this up, but we didn't have an episode on Azure governance yet, I think. No, I don't, I don't think so. Not specifically. We talked a little bit about policies and uh, security center and things related to that where you can have specific policies put in place. Uh, we didn't talk specifically about Azure governance and this is a, probably a good topic for us to cover in a separate episode as well. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd say we need to do at least one episode on this in the future. But but as a, as a sort of quick recap on this, Azure policies are the sort of cloud-based group policies allowing you to define uh, a deny or allow rule on what users or services or machines or, or what have you can do. So you can define that we only allow you to deploy your virtual machines in Western Europe, for example. We don't want you to deploy anything in the US or anything in North Europe or some other data center. That would be one use case for an Azure policy. And they are ARM templates. So you can define those as JSON files, but often if it's not too complex, you just click through Azure portal to use the ones you have in there, or you quickly write your own and you could use Azure portal for this as well. So these are the individual policies that quite closely map to uh, what you had or have in group policies for on-prem, typically for servers and, and workstations. And then you have Azure management groups that allow you to take a bunch of policies, uh, a single one or multiple, and then define how those apply between different subscriptions. So you might have a, a development subscription and a production subscription, and you could define that, okay, for this style of a subscription in Azure, I want to apply this bunch of Azure policies without individually deploying each one of those for upcoming subscriptions. Yeah, and that's something I'm using quite a lot with the management groups. I, I really like how you can structure things and, and apply policies top-down this way. So is, is there an Azure policy that you could give out as an example that, that you're using that you find highly valuable? So something that we're doing or that I'm doing is I have policies for exactly what you mentioned before, uh, the regions that we allow to deploy things in. And the reason we have constraints on that is if, for example, you have, in, in my case, I have storage accounts with a huge amount of data and huge amount of transactions. We're talking hundreds of millions to billions of transactions on a month. If you do that from a function app and a container instance to the storage account in the same region, there's no fee, no cost for the actual data transaction. So there's no network fee. If you have two different data centers, if you're in West Europe and North or in West Europe and West US or something else in two different data centers, then you also have to pay for the actual traffic. So that's why in order to ensure that whatever we do, we do that in the region desired at all times. And in order to not make any mistakes at scale, we use policies to ensure that whatever we do, when it is this or that type of resource, it needs to go into this region, which is an allowed region. So that's maybe a good example of, of one of the policies I have. So, sounds, sounds like a viable, viable approach. And the Azure policies, they are the sort of guardrails setting that this is the things we aim to do. These are the things that, that we deny, forbid you from doing. Um, and then be, uh, besides Azure policy and management groups, we also have something called Azure Blueprints. And with Blueprints, you can define these templates that define what's allowed and what's not allowed within a subscription. And this could be that we want to deny access to Azure Marketplace, for example, or we want to deny any visibility to virtual machines. We just want to get rid of that icon. And, and it also uses Azure policy in the backend. And this is something that was initially announced, I think, in 2018 Ignite. And in 2019, we finally got this. And, and it's somewhat transparent. 
there, there, there's one, uh, one view in Azure portal where you can define this. That's mostly it. So it's, it's relatively simple if you stick to fairly simple policies, but the more policies you start adding, the more management groups you start bundle, bundling together, the more complex it becomes in understanding that why am I not allowed to do this? Because it might come from multiple different places where that policy is applied. Yeah, makes sense. And, and finally, Azure Lighthouse. Uh, this is probably the newest of the bunch. And with Azure Lighthouse, I think it's mainly aimed for for MSPs, so managed service partners, the sort of companies who say, we'll take care of your Office 365, your Azure uh, investments, and you pay us perhaps a monthly fee or, or some, some sort of a fee so that we'll manage everything for you. And with Azure Lighthouse, these sort of companies can then uh, grant themselves access to a different company's Azure subscription by using a template. So they can define an Azure Lighthouse template and say, these are the sort of permissions we are seeking from you. Please perhaps approve our access to this and this service. This way, the company seeking for this support doesn't have to create like a global admin account for an external vendor and trust that they won't do anything they shouldn't be doing with this. So you can kind of divide visibility within your subscription with Azure Lighthouse. So we talk a little bit here about, you know, the state of multi-cloud and hybrid management, the old, old for, for me at least, group policies and, you know, the login scripts and Azure AD with Intune now in, in Azure on that side. So if you do have a hybrid environment or, or you're in multiple clouds and we talked a bit about Azure governance and policies and the different things here, but where does Azure Arc fit in what is that because if we're talking about azure arc and we now understand all these prerequisites what is azure arc so it took me a while to to wrap my head around what what's the positioning for azure arc and why do i actually need it again because i seem to have all these great tools in in the cloud already so azure arc is a governance and management layer that allows you to create multi-cloud and or a hybrid governance approach using Azure policies. That's, that's mainly it for now. So with Azure Arc, how, how it works is that you will um, define your assets, meaning virtual machines in this instance. That's, that's the thing that Azure Arc currently supports in public preview. So you will define that I aim to have uh, two virtual machines in on-premises. That would be my the, the other part of my hybrid infrastructure. And I want to manage those VMs that I have in on-prem. They might be running locally on a Hyper-V or VMware or what have you. Uh, and I want to manage those from Azure as opposed to managing those locally. I might not even have a local Active Directory anymore. And those VMs might not be joined to my Azure AD. Right, so, so it's, it's a, a central place to go in and manage resources that are spread across your current Azure subscription, other subscriptions, even other clouds, and also your on-prem environments. Yes, exactly. So it's, it's a management layer that gives you visibility to your assets. And when I'm talking assets, it's just a fancy word for saying my VMs running elsewhere than in Azure. And it allows then me to uh, assign Azure policies. 
So those same Azure policies you define for your VMs, for your subscriptions, for your services in the cloud, you can now create an Azure policy that will be deployed to your on-premises or that other cloud-based VMs, and they will be applied and you get statistics back from that. Right. So is it is this available for everyone to try out? I remember at some conference recently, they, they announced Azure Arc and that was a pretty big announcement. Is it available for everyone to try out? Is it has it reached GA so people can use it in production or what's the current state? It's the current state is it's in public preview. And often when you have a look at Azure Arc, the, the documentation on, on docs.microsoft.com, uh, it defines uh, Azure Arc for data services, for example. And they also briefly mention Kubernetes support. So for clusters running containers, and those are not available yet. So what we have today available is that you can manage and govern virtual machines based on Linux or Windows and Windows Server mainly. And the benefit besides just applying a policy, which you could kind of do with group policies as well, the benefit is that you can now collect log data using log analytics. So you can enforce the VM to push logs to log analytics in the cloud and then use Azure Monitor and its querying capabilities to see what's happening with your VMs that are elsewhere than in Azure. Right, so then you can pull up and aggregate everything happening in all those VMs and all the resources you have spread across your multi-cloud in whatever cloud you have it, whatever subscription you have at your on-prem environments and you have a, a single or multiple log analytics dashboards. You can predefine your queries, what you're looking for if you need to investigate or you know, stay on top of things and. So this, this is the idea, then you can see all the data in, in a single place. Yes, and how it works in, in practice. So if you want to build something to test this around now, today you can do it. So the setup that I have for myself, and, and I'm quite happy in how it works, uh, I started by building a local Hyper-V server, and that Hyper-V is, is, is running on a local server I have in my home office. And that runs Hyper-V locally, and it has one Ubuntu Linux and one Windows Server 2019 server. And you don't specifically need a site-to-site -side VPN between your on-prem and the cloud, but I built that regardless because I felt it would be a fun exercise. It's been a while since I last built one, so I wanted to see how that works as well. So, so talking just perimeter security and, and things like that, what benefit does the site-to-site -side VPN bring if you enable that. One of, one of the coolest things is that uh, from your local VM, you can just ping your VMs in the cloud because they can be in, uh, in the same uh, virtual network. So you can use an internal private IP address to ping from one VM to another, even if one of those VMs is in on-prem, the other one is in the cloud. Yeah. So all the, all the traffic can be enforced to go through the VPN tunnel instead of the public internet. Cool. And um, then when you have this up and running, and I want to stress that you, don't, you do not have to build the side-to-side -side VPN, it's just a, a useful addition. Uh, and once you have a VM running, what you need to do, you need to go to Azure Portal and provision Azure Arc. And when you start provisioning it, it will ask, would you like to provision this for a single VM or multiple VMs? And the reason for this is that if you provision it for a single VM, like in my scenario where I'm just testing things, it gives you a simple one-liner. It's a PowerShell script 
or a Linux bash script. And what the script in essence does, it downloads the, um, the agent locally to your VM that you want to manage with Azure Arc, and it ensures that it can ping Azure Arc in the public cloud so that your firewall allows that sort of traffic. And once this runs, you can go to Azure Monitor, click on Analytics, and just query for heartbeat. And you should see that your VMs locally are giving the heartbeat back to the cloud. Right. So Azure Arc, we know something about the capabilities here. This is a pretty good introduction. I've learned a ton because I haven't looked at this so much. Um, but how do I get started? So, you know, all of these things, you run the, the PowerShell and you, you go to the portal. Is, is that it? Is there a pool of resources I should take a look at? Or Because a, lo a lot of things in the Azure portal, you can, just by looking at it, understand exactly how it works. Is that the same case with Azure Arc? Or is this something you should actually read up on the documentation before you start designing your infrastructure around I definitely have a look at the documentation. So as opposed to, and I think I mentioned this perhaps once before in one of the previous episodes, when Cosmos DB was announced, perhaps it was in, in build 2018 in May. Uh, when Cosmos DB was announced, I was sitting in the, in the keynote hall. And then when somebody, I can't recall who it was for Microsoft, somebody mentioned, and we're coming out with Cosmos DB. I, I, I've, Got out my phone, open docsmarks.com, click on Cosmos DB to just quickly see what the documentation would be. And it was about 4,200 pages. Nice. Everything, everything was ready already. That's when you say, download this to my phone so I have some nighttime reading, right? Yes. So when I'm flying <laughs> home, I can read all about it. And I actually did read all about it at the time because I wanted to learn how it works. Uh, for Azure Arc, there's not too much documentation yet. So, so there's the getting started, how to deploy the agents, what the requirements are, what the firewall requirements are, and whatnot. Then there's the, um, the aspect to log analytics and using Azure Monitor. And then if you want to connect at scale, meaning that you anticipate in enrolling 200 servers from on-prem or a different cloud provider to be managed with Azure Arc, uh, you can use a service principle, so you don't have to type in your password and authenticate manually. Or you can use PowerShell DSC, the desired state configuration approach. So talking about service principles and things like this, how do, do you need to think about security and how you design your security around these things? Because one thing that I've got some experience with is security in the cloud where I have my management groups and I have my different subscriptions and I have even different directories for, you know, separation of, of concerns. And then I can secure them and I have everything here in my different Azure portals where I can, you know, tightly lock things down with the capabilities. But now I have on-prem stuff. I have multi-cloud. I have different cloud. How do I secure this? Is Azure Arc also dealing with security or it's more managing of the actual resource and then each cloud provider or your on-prem firewalls would have to deal with the actual security around it. So it manages security based on Azure policy. So in a sense, Azure Arc, how I see it, is it's an extension to Azure policy and what you already have through Azure Security Center. How are my policies applied? Is there something that's that's not compliant with my settings 
all of those will be surfaced uh, on top of uh, Azure Security Center as well. So in, in that sense, you don't have to learn any new security paradigms to understand Azure Arc. And once you have your VMs controlled and governed through Azure Arc, you have the same uh, permission blade available for each of those VMs. So those VMs will show as if they would be VMs running in Azure, obviously with a bit less control and, 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 and configuration settings. But if you want to grant somebody permission to manage that server, you have those exact same permission blades available for each of those in Azure Arc. So are, are there other types of resources that support? We talk a lot about VMs here, and I know you mentioned mm -hmm. in, the, in the beginning that currently that's, you know, VMs are the thing that's supported. And I understand why this is the case because we have a lot of those going on. Um, are there other resources that will be covered on, under the umbrella of Azure Arc in the future? Uh, or is this something that is purely for servers or VMs? For now, it's purely for VMs. And, and obviously, you could have a physical server. I haven't seen those in quite a while, though. But nothing is stopping you from using it for physical servers. Uh, and Kubernetes support, as I mentioned before, the promise, the public promise seems to be that it's coming in some form this year, meaning 2020. Um, and this should allow you to push configuration and perhaps app deployments as well to those clusters. But I understood from some of the uh, announcements that Microsoft did late last year from uh, Ignite again, that until we get the public preview, it's too hard to see what exact settings you can, you can control through the Kubernetes support. Right. And then there's also a mentioning of Azure Data Services. So to me, Azure Data Services is all from the Azure Data Platforms, so Azure SQL, Cosmos DB, and what have you, as well as anything related to data, so that this could be Azure Data Factory, uh, Data Lake Services, and, and similar kinds. So I hope support for these would be available as well, because if you have an, a local on-prem SQL server, it would be great if I could manage that through Azure as well. Yeah, yeah, and that, that makes perfect sense. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes. I see the capabilities and I, I understand the use case for a lot of these things. And it's something that I would definitely dive into if this goes into GA with more things than VMs for managing database and other things. I definitely would jump on the bandwagon directly. So let's assume now that I have my 600 VMs and I need to you know, get them under, under the roof of Azure Arc. I have some on-prem VMs. I have different clouds, different subscriptions. I want to consolidate the management. So I do all of this from a central place in Azure Arc. What is that going to cost? For now, it's, it's going to be free. So while it's in public preview, there's, there's no charge beyond your usual egress traffic from Azure. But deploying Azure Arc in, in preview no cost for now. And I think the wording on the Azure Arc product page was interesting. It, it, it kind of says that we haven't decided on the pricing. So it could be anything between cheap or, or free to super cheap to something based on some metric that, that you could then estimate how much it's going to cost you per month. Yeah. So for now, in the public preview, it doesn't cost you anything. But obviously, if you choose to deploy the site-to-site -side VPN, uh, I'm running the, the 
slowest, cheapest one in there. That will introduce some additional cost, of course, plus the traffic. But beyond that, there's no surprises for now. So that's exciting. That means we can actually just stand it up in a new dev or test environment and try things out to see how we can get things rolling without incurring any cost at the moment. I am very excited to see how the the cost and, and billing picture will look when that's decided. So that's something we can revisit. Um, we talked a lot about you know high level what Azure Arc is. Is there anything we missed or anything else around it that we should dive into now in this episode? Or does it make sense to do, once it goes GA, to do more of a deep dive into you know, all the capabilities and all the, the resources available at that point? I'd, I'd probably wait for the GA to do a bit more deep dive because I set aside, I think, two weekday evenings just to understand Azure Arc myself. And then I had one full day to build my demos. And after two hours, I'd, I'd read everything there is to Azure Arc on docsmicrosoft.com plus all of, all of the, the, the blog articles from MVPs and from the community, which often give you these additional insights you can learn from. And, and beyond that, I started building the demo. So the side-to-side VPN took about an hour to set up. And once that was up and running, I spun up a VM in the cloud. So that would be my cloud endpoint. And then I spun up a couple of VMs locally and I provisioned the Azure Arc agent on those. That took about an hour together. And then on the third hour, uh, I had everything up and running and I just played around with it for about an hour to figure out, okay, everything is working. There's nothing else I can do beyond clicking the same buttons and seeing how the heartbeat is is coming. But maybe it behaves differently the fifth time or the 20th. You don't know. You have to try it. That could be. Uh, there's, there's this super old uh, comic picture where somebody's leaning on their desktop uh, using, using the computer and a software says there's an unknown error, click OK to try again. And the, and the person gets frustrated and starts clicking the mouse like furiously. And then it suddenly the pop-up goes, congratulations, you clicked on the, on the error for 622 times. It fixed the error and you're good now. <laughs> So nice. I'm, I'm still hopeful with Azure Arc that if I do the things for the sixth time, it will, it will teach me something new. I mean, you never know. You never know. <laughs> but um, in, in practice for now, the best you can do is deploy Azure Arc, try it out with the VMs, see how the agent deploys, see that you understand the basic components. And when we eventually get the Kubernetes support and the Azure data services someday, then there's much more to play with. And perhaps we do this sort of a deep dive then. All right. Yeah, that sounds good. And we'll put any links now in the show notes of this episode to, uh, to the documentation and how to get started. And, but we have one final super important thing we need to talk about. And that is, yes. what is the, the finished word of the day? All righty. So uh, I spent, I can admit, I spent... 10 seconds coming up with this one because I wanted this to be something a little bit easier. And, and the Finnish word is, is called pendelöida. And that comes okay. from, from two different words. So pendolino, that's the uh, high-speed train uh, originally invented and, and, and created in Italy. And Finland is using those pendolino trains to, to travel the longer distances. Uh, so then you have people who travel between two cities, so they're commu- commuting every day for, for uh, 
larger distance than you would normally commute. So, so we came up with a bastardization of the word pendolino, and it means pendeloida, which means I'm using the pendolino train or something similar to go from my home to work, and it's a longer distance. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even going to act surprised anymore. It's, it reminds me a, a little bit of the heavy neolonta, unless I'm mistaken there. That's the uh, yeah, knitting exactly. while listening to heavy, heavy metal. Exactly, uh, and we, 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 you could do that at the same time when you're pendling. Yeah, so if, if I do my heavy neolonta on the pendeloide, yeah. then that's, yeah. that's all I need you'd to be, do. You'd be, right knitting, you'd be knitting on a high-speed train going to work or home after a long day at the office and, and listening to heavy metal music. Well, there you go. That's, yeah. that's all I need. <laughs> yeah. All righty, so what's the Swedish word? So in Sweden, we have a funny saying, which is um, if you're a bit tipsy, like you're, you're getting a bit drunk or if you had too many drinks, um, you don't say that you're tipsy. In Sweden, we say pro kanelen, and that means literally on the cinnamon. So you're on the cinnamon. I don't understand where it's coming from, but that's how we say it. So you're, you're not tipsy. You're on top of the cinnamon. That's, yeah, that's oh, Sweden. Pro kanelen. Pro kanelen, yeah. Yeah, makes makes perfect sense. So I will remember this tomorrow morning. So every morning, I make porridge for the kids and myself, uh, and and the youngest one always demands uh, he wants uh, cinnamon and sugar combined into this mix sprinkled on top of the porridge. So mm. tomorrow those morning when I those were the days. So tomorrow morning when I'm doing this, I will say, "Here's your pokanelen and and enjoy life." Yeah, that's. And next time I, I go on a pendeloide and have a neolonta listening to the heavy metal music, then, you know, in order for that to be bearable, I might actually be Pokanelen. So, yeah. Good stuff. Well, cool. All righty. So, this was getting started with Azure Arc, the, the modern group policies. Thank you. And until next time. See you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Control Alt Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned.